And if you're evading your historical self, you're also evading a part of yourself. You understand? So my one last kind of question I wanted to throw to you is, I think a lot of what's lurking behind, and this is why I've been reading a lot of Rousseau, because I think he's one of the earliest and, and still one of the best voices on this, is the bankruptcy of liberalism as a political theory. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just it, in, in, in particular that it can't account for history. I mean, as you've identified, historic, historic, you know, historicizing ourselves as individuals in a society is essential to understanding core political problems, whereas liberalism basically has no understand, you know, can't grapple with history. We're all just living in like a very now as, as quote unquote, free and independent beings. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Like equality, freedom, you know, I, I'm not against those kind of views of liberal political theory and I'm not here just to trash it. But what I'm saying is like fundamentally it, it, it has a, an aspect where it can't, how, how do we redress racial discrimination in the United States? How do we redress colonial, um, you know, crimes and, and, and usurpation of wealth. How do we deal with these problems? How do we deal with women, you know, um, um, allowing women to have more of a voice and a place in society after decades and centuries of discrimination? And, and liberalism is just empty because it, it can't, it can't grapple with the complexity of history that you can't unwind colonialism. The, the damage has been done and you have to take that as a starting point and you can't just say, well, we'll be free now, which is kind of, it's flip, but that is kind of a, a, a liberal political theory answer to that. Um, so I don't know. So I, I, I think that's, that, that, that's a kind of code for a lot of things that's going on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say this, uh, to, to add to what you say, what is fascinating um, about the, 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 bad the bad faith position that you just pointed to. Um, you know, bad faith from the point of view here of, you know, like a, a more so Exartian existentialist um, philosophy, right? Um, and bad faith in a nutshell is bad faith, as he presents it, um, is when we engage in this self-deception, right? Bad faith is when we lie to ourselves. And, you know, he goes through this whole thing where he, um, in being a nothingness, where he demonstrates to you how he theorizes that human beings can actually lie to themselves, right? Um, so, so that aside, though, I mean, we don't have time to get into 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 dimensions of that philosophical frame. But I'll say this though: that it's really well. We'll have to have you back on. So <laughs> we're, I'm going to put a bookmark in that. This has been great. So please yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Um, in 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 start, right. I would never claim to be an expert in start. But you know, I have engaged with some Graham. Um, I'm going to cut it now and just say I'm really proud of you. You've been living in America now for, what, over 20 years? Yes. And your willingness to speak confidently about things you don't know so well, that proves you're becoming a true American. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, 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 oh, <laughs> so. That's, that is something I know. I've lived overseas for almost 20 years. Yeah, Americans feel, speak, hey. they, they speak, they speak about things they don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Yeah. Please go ahead, though. So yeah, being yeah, in yeah. nothingness and yeah, sight. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so, so, so just, just, just this, um, this, this, this question, uh, this matter of bad faith and, you know, bad faith, for example, would be when um, in liberal theory, they situate the human being outside of history, right? Mm. They situate the self outside of history because the reality is that we're all, you know, situated. We, 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 we are all 
um, a part of what makes us up is what is called facticity, right? The things around right. us that 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 um that might place limits upon our aspirations that we might have, you know, internally. So, for example, things like gravity, for example. So, in my mind, I am free. I am the embodiment of freedom, right? I am, you know, as, as consciousness, I am the embodiment of freedom. I can construct myself going forward as a human being, um, you know, according to my 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 my, my whims, right? But then I'm also limited, as you were saying, by, 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 by the material reality that I find myself in. And I'm also limited by certain aspects of social reality as well. Okay? Right. And so, for example, you know, to that extent, then, you know, I am, I am me. I am beyond my historical self in that I can refashion myself tomorrow to be, you know, whoever I decide I want to be. So when you call me tomorrow, I could decide to be a different person. Right. So to that extent, I'm the embodiment of freedom as a human being. I'm constantly in the process of becoming. Okay. Um, Beyond that, though, there is this thing called facticity that limits what I can do in reality. Okay. And so things like gravity, the example I just gave you, you know, like, you know, it's obvious. If I jump, if I believe I can fly, I come upon this thing called gravity. Right. And then, of course, my social reality also um, conditions the, the, um, the, 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 the options that I have to choose from. Ultimately, though, I have to choose, right? Um, So the point I'm making, though, is this. One of the things that is happening, that I observe happening now with with, with liberalism as a paradigm, um, is that if you think about what is happening, for example, in this country with the banning of books and so on, Right, the banning of books and, right. the, and we're talking about liberalism as political theory, just yes, to be clear yes, for the yes, listeners, yes, yes, right? Yes, not yes. like no, no, liberalism, no. John Locke, um, yes, you yes, know, and, yes. and Adam Smith, not liberalism like Joe yeah, Biden's right. a, a yeah, terrible yes, liberal yeah. or something, right? Okay, right, right. Good. We're, 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 and I, I guess that clarification is as especially useful given the region of the country that I'm in, right? Because right. liberal, liberal, as you know, becomes a curse in America, right? It becomes a curse yeah. for some people, um, so. What do, and, and so, and so with, books. yeah. So with, with the paradigm that you raised, then we'd include even the um what we consider in America the conservative position within that paradigm as well, right? All right. So um one of the problems, one of the things that um we are we're observing then is with the, with the banning of books and um you know the attack upon quote unquote critical race theory and that kind of stuff is really this question to hide from history, this attempt sorry to hide from history, and it is it is it is an empowered attempt if you think about it, right? To really history and so you know um this disembodied self right that is supposed to be at the heart of this neoliberal paradigm right this disembodied um self is actually you know held up as a paradigm and now at the highest levels and with people with power are undertaking this attempt to really dislodge themselves from from historical experience right Yes, and, and and so and so um this I think this goes to what you were saying about about um you know the, as a paradigm you know as an ideological you know framework so one of the problems with nearly with liberalism specifically and this attempt to really evade itself right it, it, there's a, there's this grand that there's this very grand attempt you can imagine um depending on you know the different administrations that might come to power here in the United States you can imagine. At the highest level, what will be taking place in terms of this attempt to evade the self, to really evade. And if you're evading your historical self, you're also evading a part of yourself. You understand? And I think, too, that's kind of what's come to a head in, in, in a lot of, you know, uh, there's obviously, you're, you know, you're, you're living there. So you're, you're much and you're on a you're on a college campus. So you're 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 you know, you're you're in like the real battle. I'm, I'm like uh, I'm here in rural Japan. I feel like I have like the uh, the the out the gaze of the outsider. Like you're in, you're in the storm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just a, 
I'm, I'm like the anthropologist looking from the outside. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I don't have to tell you about this, but I, I think I mean, you, met, you brought up critical race theory or, or, or so forth. And I think whatever terms we want to use and, 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 and just following up on what you said, I mean, I think the real crux of this, and, and this is, you know, what's been going on in, in the discourse in the United States for some time, but it, it goes through these moments of kind of acceleration is like, you know, this question of, uh, and I, and I think, you know, that fa- you know, a speech that people, um, particularly a lot of conservative Americans don't like to bring out is, is the, 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 the stark critique. Um, I think the speech might actually be named like the white liberal where like Martin Luther King just, you know, basically lashes into these people. And Frederick Douglass, um, gave a very similar speech, um, dec- you know, centuries earlier, um, basically saying that, you know, there, there is this like, pool of, of white people in America who kind of want to have this notion of like America overall is good and it has some flaws. Mm-hmm. And that is a way of excising, like of saying like, this is a, this is a cancer on an otherwise healthy body. And, and I think, you know, in its own way, and, and I'm not like, uh, um, you know, affirming all whatever critical race theory, I mean, whatever, there's different versions and different kind of analysis. So I don't want to like make a blanket approval but what i'm saying is i think the the center of the, the the debate and the struggle is is a view that no this is kind of um and it, you know this is the body this isn't like some mm-hmm. malformation right that they, and i think that's what 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 raised so much consternation about the 1619 project right and, yeah. and why yes. I, I mean and and you know that and and i think there was a few things that maybe um you know, were, were, were debatable, not like wrong or infactual, Mm -hmm. but you'd even saw a lot of, a lot of, and I thought of Martin Luther King reading a lot of these historians, like the white liberal, you know, Mm. no, 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 no. Like, you know, no, you got this thing, like you overstated this and it's, but, but never addressing the the underlying argument, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I think of, and, and I think that's the kind of like, and, and I think for, for not all, but I think for quite a few black Americans and, and and also, you know, um, Latino Americans and, and other non-white Americans, this stuff is not really that shocking. That's exactly. what, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not like a, but I think for a lot of white Americans, and I think that is, you know, that is, is, is often the way these turn on is, is this view of um, understanding these things as historically constitutive, like a part mm-hmm. of the body politic as, as integrated into the story, not, not as a kind of side you know, as a kind of a, a, a like a, um, you know, you use a sitcom metaphor, a weird one, like not like a spinoff, you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, America, it's this great place, freedom. Yeah. And then like, well, we had this spinoff of slavery and brutality. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a bad one. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the, 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 the struggle is about integrating that into the narrative. And I think there's a lot of resistance because, again, and this why I think what you're saying is really perfect for this kind of discussion because it it doesn't just force someone to question their society but more importantly it, it forces them to question themselves question themselves and and i mean I'll, I'll say this i know we're running out of time i'll say this though that um there's this there is this concept that that i that um a professor of mine um his name is, is lewis garden there's this concept that he he constantly um he consistently raises um that 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 this that comes from theology um, that I think is quite useful to, for thinking about the kind of responses people give, you know, and societies as a whole give to any attempt at critiquing them, right? Um, and, and, and critiquing them, for example, in the way that, you know, their real history and the real true full history does. Um, and that is the, the concept of theodicy. 
right? Oh, yeah. And, and, mm. and of course, as you know, theodicy, you know, raises questions about, like, you know, if God is so good, then, you know, why is there evil in the world, etc. And so, you know, there's this, there's this, there's this matter then of what, what, what is, what, what we might refer to um, for, for clarity as a sort of social theodicy, right? In the context of that social theodicy, the state stands in for God, right? And to get back to the question of the state, right? The state stands in for God, and in that framework, the state can do no wrong. And so what does it become? It becomes the case then that if there are social problems, the problems, the source of the problems must be the people who are um, who are who are undergoing who are who are experiencing those social problems, and this brings us back to, for example, W. E. B. Du Bois in the Souls of Black Folk, early in the Souls of Black Folk, where he raises the question: What does it mean to be a problem? Where people are approaching him and asking him, "How does it feel to be a problem?" Right? Mm. And so, what you end up with are people then people then who are problems. And what do we do with people who are problems? So what do we do with our problems? We solve them as 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 as, as efficiently as we can, and people who are problems. We quote unquote solve them as well, right? And so they do not become people with problems; they become problem people, right? And so for for for, for, for people then who are embedded in this social theodicy, the state, the society, you know, the whole social organization can do no wrong. There is no questioning of it because it 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 now stands in as a deity, in a sense, mm-hmm. right? It is right. it is now deified, and so it stands in as a deity, and so there is no questioning it, and so. They become uneasy, right? If we were if we were to use this paradigm as a means of thinking through some of these things, they become uneasy whenever they encounter any questions raised about the sanctity, um, the moral, the moral sanctity of 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 of, of, of the state, right? So they react in the way that we have seen. We we see the reaction like if you don't like America, you can leave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In the context, because hearing you speak, you know, talk about this, I, I like this motif of, of theodicy, um, is that like within the U.S., and if we're using the U.S. as an example, within the conservative movement, it has this weird thing where there's like a reification of the state as a formation, mm-hmm. but then this idea of like pernicious outside forces seizing it. Yes, yes, right? yes, and yes. So, and even yes. to the point where Trump and the Republicans basically controlled all of the you know, the legislative and, and executive power, and then even now the court of the state, mm-hmm. um, but we're still fighting the war against the state. Yes, you know I mean, yes, so it just yes, gets yes. really weird. Yeah, right? it is a weird, weird warping that takes place in there. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the weird warping that take, takes takes place in there. Right. But yeah. the people who created the state are pure mm-hmm. and the ideas behind the state are pure, but there's impure forces who have like, it, it, you know, and, 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 you know, I don't want to get too... Um, Provocative, but I mean that—that's a common of fascism, right? That yeah. the, the the motif of disease, mm-hmm, that, and I that, mean that, Trump uses that motif of disease all the time. These people have somehow infected the state, and we need to cleanse the state to get it back to its um to to to, to its to its more pristine form. Yeah, right. So yeah. the the biological the biological kind of you know the the metaphor of disease and 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 cleansing is is a a, a stock fascist trope. I mean, and that's certainly I don't think Trump is like. You know, an intel. You know, studying fascism. I mean, but I think it's an instinct, right? That that yeah. may, we we that's how we understand the world, right? Like we people, things are sick and they get healthy. And like I think you know, it's it's a, not surprising that that's a kind of motif that's a reemerged. Um, and uh, you know, I I I I would you know I'd want to say as well that um this particular understanding of the of the state, right? This this sort of um 
fetishizing of the state and this presentation of the state as beyond any kind of reproach is something that you find in the third world as well, right? Um, and it comes especially from people then, so people from social classes who are uneasy, for example, about certain features of the third world, of the, of the, of the third world conditions. So for example, people who are uneasy about this, the, the, the onset of crime and violence and so on, um, you know, they, they, they become very, very closed off to, 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 to raising questions about the nature and the, the character of the arrangement of, of the society. And so for them, the problem the only source of the problem are the people and the social classes that are involved in, 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 in crime and violence. And so, for example, quickly in Jamaica, for example, um, currently, you know, well, recently, I should say, they were undergoing a lot of what they call states of emergencies in which they, 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 the state would send in like, soldiers to camp in, camp in neighborhoods and, you know, to, 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 to try to get crime under control. And it was especially a concern in, in areas where that were close to tourist spots. Right, that were close to tourist, tourist, um, tourist, tourist development and so on. Um, you know, so there's this place, for example, there's this, there's this, um, there's this place, Mobe, where you know it's a tourist center, right? And so there was this concern with crime and violence impacting the tourism product and so on. And um, what is happening now? One of the things seems to be happening is that, and this, this is this, I guess, raises other questions about the future of the state that we could probably discuss next time. One of the things that I that I see happening is that um, there are some young people in these communities, in some of these communities in Jamaica, who they have now become quote unquote entrepreneurs, where they are involved in what is called lottery scamming. I don't know if you ever heard of the lottery scam, where they will call you and tell you that as an American you have won the lottery in Jamaica. You know you should send your your bank account so they could send the money. And of course, if you send your bank account, you I don't have to tell you what happens next. Right, <laughs> your balance wow, goes, yeah. your balance disappears. But but people are becoming exponentially rich from doing that. Like you know, young mm. people buying houses and cars and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um. So in the past, of course, with the development of the of the post-colonial state in Jamaica, in the past, um, it was a case where there was this link to 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 to, to violence, crime and violence, especially political violence, where. In the past, politicians were accused of buying guns for um for, for people in particular communities to engage in, in political gang warfare. Nowadays, in some of these spaces, these young people are able to buy their own guns. I mark you, those guns are shipped in mainly from the United States, right? They're able to buy their own guns, right? And so it raises a whole set of issues now about um, controlling them. Because in the past, politicians could control them because they control the purse. Right? Nowadays, of course, these people are becoming, you know, more and more independent of the politicians, at least as far as economics is concerned. Now they make their own. Mm. Right? There's another era in Jamaica where um, it moved away from the politicians towards the drug, the drug trade. But the scamming in Jamaica now becomes a, um, a means for young people to become quickly rich. And as a means of becoming quickly rich, they also acquire weapons and so on. And then you have gang warfare, you know, um, taking over and so on. So what I'm pointing to generally, in a nutshell, is really a sort of weakening of the state. It's also been written written about um, from scholar by scholars from the um, from from the developing world, right? right. It's sort of erosion of the state in these places, um, where you have um, you know external actors, you know non-state actors who are filling in capacities that were once occupied by the state. 
And so some people perceive a sort of weakening of the state as an, as, a, as an institution. But of course, as I said before, you still have the people who hold steadfast to the idea that the state is, you know, should be beyond reproach and so right. on. It's, yeah. it's in, invaluable. Is it, it, but I, and I think, too, that hits on something. And I think that is another kind of um, not, you know, what we like the collective we, another one of our kind of mythos that particularly people in wealthier societies tell themselves is like, and this, I think, is is part and parcel to my critique of liberalism as as a political theory, as something that is is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, is is the mythology of, of of equally sovereign? I mean, and I talked about this a, a few episodes ago. Um, mm-hmm. So if you listen to that, I mean, but you know, briefly rehash that. Um, you know, and you hit on the key word capacity. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to say Germany's a state, and you want to say Bangladesh is a state, I mean, that that is there that is some there are categories that is a a valid statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to say they're sovereign states, also a valid statement. But to compare, um, and I'm not reifying Germany. I'm just saying in terms of wealth, in terms of capacity, in terms of resources, mm-hmm. right? To 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 equate the two and just say, oh yeah, they're the same. So you know, because I think, and that's something I I, I draw from Rousseau is that this version of equality is a mechanism for eschewing responsibility. Yes, yes. If everyone's equal, then no one's responsible. It's, if we're exactly. all sovereign states fighting it out you know, in a healthy competition for success, then, you know, some win, some lose, and nobody's mm-hmm. responsible. Market paradigm, you know, like, yeah. And that is like, I find Rousseau's most compelling. I think Rousseau is just one of the better cr- critics of liberalism because he sees that phoniness. Yes, 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 yes. That, 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 the use of that market paradigm, you know, we're all, yeah, we're just here competing. We're all equal, equal players right. in this marketplace. Well, that directly connects to the historical, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, trying to decouple the colonial experience from current situations of, of, you know, inequities. Actually, it gets to, um, it it has actually gotten to, you know, the extreme where in some places, right? Um, In some, in some developing countries um, in Africa, for example, there's this recent book by T.D. Harper Shipman, and it's called Rethinking Ownership of Development in Africa. And one of the things that she actually, you know, zeroes in on is the whole discourse around development that you find coming now from, um, that you find making manifest now, um, coming from African African bureaucrats and leaders and so on, um, where they have bought this, um, this, this paradigm from the World Bank in which they should see development as something that they own. Right? right. And so, and so if, the, if, the, if the development project fails, Right. Ultimately, you can't blame anybody but yourself because you should own your development. Right. In Jamaica, there was a there was a casting of the same paradigm as one of taking responsibility. And today, the government of Jamaica still uses that paradigm that you must take responsibility for your development. And so recently, for example, with the COVID outbreak, the Minister of Health was, you know, impressing upon people to take responsibility for their health. Right. And in essence, what is happening is that at the local level, then. Um, he's absolving the state of its obligation to the people because ultimately you are this, um, this you are this disembodied individual interest who is responsible for yourself, right? right. And so um, you, you know you, you should take responsibility for yourself. And then beyond that, though, at the global level, if the World Bank and the IMF can can you know make can convince states to take this paradigm and run with it that you are responsible for your development, right? That you should own your development. Then the failure of their policies is not at their feet. The failure is your failure to implement the policies correctly. 
And so that inequality that you spoke of, you know, there are ways in which it is masked, right? There, there are ways in which they manage, they manage it with a slight of hand to mask that foundational inequality that makes it difficult for you to even implement the policies. Well, that's the that's the sleight of hand that I I, I said I you know it's not he's not the only one but it's just I'm someone I've been you know said I've been mm. kind of on okay. this one project that Rousseau really points out I mean where he he calls it like this kind of deception where yes, it is. like mm-hmm. you know wealthy people go to people who are impoverished and say look like actually we'll we're going to give you equality that's your protection like this is good for you because you're going to be you know now you're vested now you're part of the system we're all going to be equal mm-hmm. and and Rousseau says you know that in some ways that's alluring because yeah I want to be equal but by agreeing to that equality again if there is if it's, if there's total equality then no one's responsible yeah because hey yes. I'm just a person like you I don't I mean mm-hmm. I might have a billion dollars in a yacht and, and private security but hey we're just we're equal individuals under the right, law right and and, I, and the it, it's Sorry. a farce in reality, but mm-hmm. you know it's and, and for Rousseau again, he uses the he he calls it. I think literally, it's called like the greatest scam in human history. Yes, I remember. I remember, I remember. I think we, we, kind of... we went through this with Schwartz, right? We, we, we right. went at temple with Professor Schwartz. Right. Uh, the yeah. most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. I, I I think um and and I think that what ends up happening is this leaves people feeling you know disempowered and into trot out the Marxist term alienated, you know, mm-hmm. feeling disconnected. And then um, there's one book since we were, we were, you know, that I should mention that I read it. I didn't read all of it. Um, some parts I just wasn't really that interested in or I didn't find very compelling. But there's a conservative um, guy from Notre Dame, conservative political theorist named Patrick Deneen. And he wrote a book called Why Liberalism Failed. Mm-hmm. And um, liberalism as political theory, right? And okay. and as someone who's a critic of liberalism, I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. Mm. And, you know, he's writing from a kind of conservative communitarian kind of perspective. And um, I said, I don't go all the way down the road with him. But one of the th- observations he made, and I think it fits in with my kind of critique of the state um, and, and as a form, as he says that what ultimately happens with the model we have under liberalism, and he calls liberalism, as you mentioned, would include kind of right of center conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. You know, moderates like Joe Biden would all be liberals in this political theory sense, mm-hmm. is that it, it positions the state through this notion of pluralism and like Robert Dahl and all these people like, you know, it's like competing interests, is that basically it just creates like it, it, it provides the conditions for increasingly aggravated conflicts over you know it, it's capture and control the state yes, becomes yes, like yes. A, a, a it so it militarizes us against ourselves in, in mm-hmm. terms of ideology in terms of you know literally in the united states and ter- often in terms of weapons darkly mm-hmm. um and 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 the state becomes this like you know and and that's you know we talked that played out in a post-colonial context but liberalism creates that dynamic in every state where it's the dominant ideology yes yes um because Think about think about the interest that coalesce around party politics, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that 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 really kind of and it becomes this vessel that we just it's all about seizing control of of you know maybe what what Lenin called the commanding heights, right? I mm-hmm. mean that the state is this vessel that and and it, it becomes very binary, um, and and we're we're witnessing that play out now. Now, one observation you made, and I, I will maybe wrap it up here because we, we obviously now have just endured another horrific weekend of, of gun violence in the United States. And I had a former colleague and friend of mine from Haiti on the show, um, maybe two or three, maybe four, about a month ago. And one of the things he really highlighted to me that I, I honestly hadn't really thought so much about is how much gun culture um, affects um, societies in the Caribbean. You know, he, mm-hmm. he grew up in Haiti and and that you know america's kind of fascination and and permissiveness with 
um, firearms um, has dramatic effects on societies like Haiti. And as you were mentioning, like, as well as um, Jamaica, right? That mm-hmm. these, yes. this is not something that like just is contained within the United States, but we'll, you know, for all of our concern about all of these like awful migrants coming to the United States and in, you know, the, those narratives, like American violence and ugliness is exported through, um, you know, these, this just sure. a wash yeah. in arms. Yes. Yes. Um, so recently, um, uh, I think, a couple of Caribbean states were part of a, an attempt to sue, I don't remember which gun manufacturer it was in the United States, because of the impact that um, the weapons getting to their country, you know, had upon, upon, upon their societies, right? So they were actually, I, I think, I don't remember which Caribbean state it was exactly, uh, which gun manufacturer it was, but, you know, um, there was, there was a, they, were, they, they actually became a part of the, 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 one of the attempts going through the courts now to sue them as culpable for some of the violence that has taken place in the region. But in Jamaica, um, there is this uphill battle to keep weapons that are manufactured in the United States out of Jamaica because what happens apparently from what law enforcement has been able to, um, to, 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 to ascertain is that people buy, that people in, from the Jamaica come to the United States. Um, they might be residents here. They might be citizens here who are of Jamaican origin. They will go to gun shows, buy guns, and then find these means of shipping them to the country. Right. They, ship, they, they, they actually ship them to the country. And then another thing that actually added to the amount of guns in circulation in Jamaica um, was um, the, the whole situation in Haiti, um, the whole instability um, for, 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 for the period that it has been happening in Haiti, where... The weapons, for example, that were used long ago, the weapons that were used to overthrow Aristide, right, and you know, to, to, to destabilize various Haitian regimes, those weapons, those weapons found their way to Jamaica. There was a, a right. drug for trade business. And those weapons, of course, the origins of those weapons happen to be, you, if you think about it, the United States, right? So, so there are these ways in which, in, which, in which the guns get there. But the gun culture, though, um, it does impact them because um, if you I don't know if you ever have you ever seen the harder they come. I was actually discussing it with a colleague the other day. The harder they come with Jimmy. Cliff. I, no, I've listened to the soundtrack. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, so I was going to raise the harder they come. So I mean, in the harder they come, if people pay close attention to, if you get a chance to watch and pay close attention to the harder they come, you recognize that it's actually an attempt at a western. Because long before the more modern, you know, variations of, 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 of um, these, these, these movies that might, you know, glorify gun culture in the United States, long before that, the Western was having this profound impact upon how people were imagining themselves, upon, for example, how young men were um, imagining themselves in, in epic terms, right? In, in, right? in epic sense. I think Fanon in Black Skin, White Mask, Suggests that um, one of the crisis for young men in the in the Antilles, and by the Antilles he meant the Caribbean, is that when they thought about themselves in um in, in epic frameworks, it was so much influenced by you know the epic framework of white Americans. Because interesting. The no, I never. Yes. I, I have to. Uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting kind of perspective. I, yes. I should check out the yes. harder they come. I said, I mean, obviously, I've heard the Jimmy Cliff. You know, does Jimmy Cliff act in that, or is it just? A yeah, music? yeah, he, he he acted in it, but he also sang oh. a, a couple of songs in the album. But it's one, it's one of the best, the better um, reggae albums, you know, that was ever produced. One of the greatest of all time, I, at least for me. That and oh. and a couple, uh, that and some stuff from Peter Tosh and of course Marley and Bonnie Wheeler. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, in, ter- in terms of roots, re- and of course Burning Spear. Yeah, um, in terms right. of roots, roots reggae albums, right. 
Um, but anyway, so the point I was making quickly though is that you know it, it does impact, it has this profound impact, it, this this residual effect across the Caribbean in terms of access to the weapons, but also in terms of how people consume that culture. Yeah? Right. Yeah, so mm. so 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 there, there are two dimensions, the, the, the access and um also the consumption or the, or the uh, manifestation of the gold culture that might gun culture that might come through through movies, you know, like Dirty Harry and you know, and if you listen to even even Jamaican music, some of the entertainers. At the time when westerns sure. were popular, some of the entertainers had the names from westerns like Josie Wales, Clint Eastwood, and that kind of right. stuff. Yes, I kid you not. Right. I kid you not. Right. Yeah. No, no. Well, yeah. and you know, and and on that note, speaking of uh, you know, I guess um, the spread of culture and cultural motifs. I remember, you know, and I, the band is escaping me because that's uh, of, of the many gifts you've given to me and and um, decades of friendship um, I've gotten from you. You introduced me to the band from London, um, Steel Pills. You know. Steel Pulse, Roller Steel Skates. Pulse. Yes, yes. Steel yeah, roller Pulse. Skates is still on my regular. Oh, it's on your regular. regular. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I still, no, I still, I still play your house. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah just roller yeah. skates. Yeah. I mean, I want, I'm, you know, no one rocks them anymore. I'm going to tell you what, Graham. My mm. son saw a pair in, in, a, in a book we were looking at the other day. I'm getting, we're, we're getting a pair. We're getting two pairs of roller skates. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. bringing it back. <laughs> I know. I want to get, I want to get the old kind, like the sneakers with the, the skates. Sneakers kind. Yep. Yep. Old school. Yeah, man, we're gonna yeah i was telling man like yeah no one roller skates anymore i don't know why uh yeah, yeah. so um cool well um great graham i mean i i really do yeah we're gonna have to have you back on um because yeah i think we, there's we, we've uh we've you know there's a lot of things we've, we've discussed but i think there's a lot of uh roads that we weren't able to go down and i would love to uh get you back on here maybe sometime in the fall um, yeah man yeah man yeah man just 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 let me know yeah all right. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Greg, and have a good evening. I guess it's evening there in Oklahoma, and yes. I look forward to catching you soon. All right. Cool. Take care, man. Take care. Have a good yeah. day. All right. All right. You too.